I'm terrified of heights. So when Olympic diver Allison Gibson said yes to teaching me more about her sport, I was low-key terrified of what I was getting myself into. This is episode 203 with Allison Gibson. You're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today I'm joined by Allison, decorated Olympic athlete turned brand strategy expert and all-around great human being. Allison is actually here in Austin, so she took me to the University of Texas's pool to get a first-hand experience of what it's like to dive, something I never actually really did, I learned as a swimmer growing up. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. Now, there's some hilarious yet mostly embarrassing videos of me circling around on the internet attempting to gain the confidence to do just a small fraction of what Allison did on a daily basis as a diver. I learned a lot in this process. So today, we unpack how exactly she builds the confidence to pull off the remarkable, the thing that we see on TV once every four years and we celebrate the role that her faith played in her own development as an athlete and beyond, as well as how she had multiple outlets outside of sport that really helped her transcend sport in that recent transition from Olympic athlete now into brand strategist. Let's dive into it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another episode. We'll do intro, outro, yeah. all outside of this. Nice. So I, you don't have to sit here and I'll read okay. your bio, all that fun stuff. Okay, perfect. Um, Allison, you just taught me, quote unquote, how to dive. Yeah. It was a, it was a joke, I think. Um, no, it was great. My, okay, perfect. He was good, guys. She's just saying that, guys, to, no, to be nice. I, look, I, I've seen a lot of people try to dive in my life. Um, and you, picked, you pick things up faster than a lot of people do. Yes. Which That's is, all I wanted to hear. Yeah. Perfect. So like. How long until I can truly do a gainer off the 10 meter and um, like confidently not back, back flop? You know, that's hard to say because <laughs> I don't even know if I could fearlessly do a gainer off of 10 meter and not back flop. Um, <laughs> I think it's kind of like a, I think it's a thing. Uh, some people are just born with it. Some people aren't. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say definitive answer for that one. Perfect. I want to <laughs> kind of start with kind of around that topic just fear in general yeah. uh, which is kind of why I wanted to to get in the water with you and go off the boards um, because it isn't a natural thing for humans to go inverted off of high elevated surfaces it's, yeah it's not what what got you into diving and at what point does that fear ever go away or when did you learn maybe to just control it what did that look like for you yeah um so in relation to what got me into diving, um, I was actually a swimmer, and I grew up swimming at this pool um, that we learned how to dive at today. So this is where my whole journey really began um, for diving. And I started diving when I was about eight years old. I always saw the diving boards. I thought it looked really fun. And actually, Matt Scoggin, who's the college coach here, he knew me when I was like, uh, you know, like the seven-year-old kid. 
eight-year-old kid, and he was like, hey, you know, you work really hard, and he's like, you should try diving. And I actually told him at first, I was like, no, I'm not trying diving because I'm like, I'm a swimmer. I'm a swimmer. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, it just happened that fri- my Friday nights freed up from swimming, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. So absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and, yeah, since then, it just it was part of my life. Went to college here. Matt Scoggin was my college coach. Took me to the national championship at NCAA's. Took me to the Olympics. Um, so it's funny how things come full circle. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. At, at what point? Well, even there too, like that identity piece of like what kept you from saying yes to diving right away. Of like, yeah. well, no, I identify as a swimmer, so yeah. like diving's just not my thing. Yeah. Ironic. It's so weird how <laughs> in this sport, right? It's swimming and diving teams, but yeah. we, we view each other as so different. It's like no, no, no like. I don't dive. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't swim. Um, how did you, when did you start to embrace that identity of like, no, like not only can I dive, but like I'm a diver and like I'm going to be good at this. Yeah. I think honestly it started the second I touched a diving board. Um, I think in life there's some things that you do and you're just like, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. Mm. And diving was that for me. I, Absolutely loved it. It was my home. Um, And then I did both sports for about two years. And slowly, you know, my my love for swimming just faded away. And I just knew, you know, I I knew diving was where I was meant to be. And so it was it was okay letting go of swimming because I knew it was my time to let go of that and move on to what I was really, you know, really meant to be doing. Yeah. And talk to me about that progression of just your career in general, like you never really left Austin, right? Yeah. You ended up here in, in college as well. It helps yeah. out that UT's program is what it is. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But talk to me about that progression. Like, at what point along that journey did you know, okay, D1, okay, UT, okay, yeah. Olympics are, like, a possibility as well? So I think I started I, – I really started diving around nine years old. Um, and I think within the first two or three years of diving, I actually made my first international meet within my first year of diving. I was going to meets, I was winning meddling. Um, and so it was kind of one of those things where I think from the start, I just picked it up really quickly and I did well and, and judges really liked my lines and my coaches, you know, really liked what I was doing. And so I think I kind of realized from the start, like, I really had a chance, you know, mm-hmm. to be good at this. And I didn't realize how good of a chance I had at, you know, making the Olympics. But I knew, I was like, you know, there's a good chance I can probably go D1. Because, you know, by the time you're 13, you're winning junior national championships, um, you know. And then you continue to do that, continue to make international meets. Um, the, the prospects of competing D1 are pretty good. Um, and, yeah, and as I competed more internationally and was able to see that international competition, you know, I started realizing, you know, potentially – I could be an Olympian um, and, you know, nothing is certain, mm. right? You know, it's, you never know for sure, but I just kept putting in the work um, and, and it worked. <laughs> and here you are. Here I am. Now, right? <laughs> On the other side of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, with that early success, how did you navigate feelings of burnout and just like not Great being question. overtrained? Because yeah. I, I know the club team that I grew up on, there was plenty of, especially on the, the female side, a lot of my friends growing up, they were number one, number two, top five in the nation in their respective events at 12. Yeah. And they didn't finish high school swimming. Yeah. Even. So how did you navigate burnout and just 
keeping the love for the sport, if that ever went away or what did that look like? Yeah, that's a really great question. I'm so glad you asked it because I think your sport, it's like a relationship, right? Like any relationship you're in with your, with your parents or your best friends, you love them so much at times, but then you're also very frustrated and there's times you want to leave or quit or whatever it may mm. be, right? Uh, and I think sport is, is a lot like that, you know? And, and if you think about it, you're investing in it and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Um, and so I think I kind of looked at sports as a relationship and um, when I had those days where I was just struggling to go to practice, um, I would take a moment, and this is what I tell all the kids that I, I talk to and work with, is take a moment and just close your eyes and just picture the first day that you did your sport. Picture the feeling of the water. Picture that amazing feeling of flying through the air, jumping on the diving board, and remember all those little moments and those senses mm. that made you fall in love with the sport in the first place. And if you can take yourself back and you can let go of all the pressures of being the best and let go of that correction that you just can't seem to make and just remember the root of, of why you're doing what you're doing, um, it, it can really kind of reignite that flame inside mm. of you. Uh, so that was what I always did. Um, and then, you know, just honestly, just having things outside of your sport. Um, a lot of people just like are so obsessed with their sport that they don't pay attention to school or they don't go hang out with their friends or they don't have hobbies. I think having things outside of your sport, having identities outside of your sport, things that you care about is so important because your sport you're not going to be able to do it for forever and you're not mm. going to be at the level you're at for, for forever. So you have to have something else that you care about outside of it that you can pour yourself into. Um, so that if your sport is gone or if you're not succeeding at it, um, you have other things that you're, you're pouring yourself into. Absolutely. What was that for you? Like what oh were those, gosh. those hobbies, those passions outside of the confines of this facility <laughs> here that we're sitting in? Yeah. So for me, definitely, um, Faith is a really big one for me. So mm. I grew up religious um, and knowing where my identity was in terms of faith really kept me grounded. And then outside of that, obviously, it was it was my friends going on hikes, spending time outside art. I really like art. Mm. Um, and so I would draw a picture or paint or something like that. Um, and that was a really good outlet for me to get those emotions out and express myself in other ways. I love that. I like to tell people that. Like we can, we can embrace multiple identities. In fact, we need to. It's like yeah. the chairs that we're sitting on right now. If we were just to balance on one leg of this chair, I'd probably fall off of, I don't even know what meter we're on, uh, but it wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> um, but the more that I have, like the more stable, I have four legs on the ground right now. I feel pretty safe, even though we are a little bit high up and heights are a little bit scary for me. Yeah. Um, but I love that analogy of just, you had multiple things outside of just your sport to ground you so that when I'm sure like diving didn't go well, there was, I mean, you dove to the highest levels, right? But there's, you dove long enough where there was definitely days where you flopped and didn't yeah. have the best performance. So it, I'm sure it helps to have those other, you're laughing now. You're probably like, is there a certain I'm like memory that comes I'm like sitting mind? here on the platform remembering all the times I smacked off of this exact platform. And I'm like, oh, man, that was like, yeah. fun. Yeah. It's great. But uh, <laughs> did it, I'm assuming it helped like when on those days that that one leg of the chair maybe wasn't grounded into the floor. Yeah. But you had those others, whether it be art, faith, friends, family, um, 
how did you learn to actually lean on those as a support system? Because I think a lot of athletes struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, I owe it, I think, a lot to my parents. Uh, my parents always told me, you know, your sport is a part of you and, like, it, you can be successful. You can get a scholarship based on your sport, but, like, you know, you need a career and you mm. need these other things. They always pushed me since I was, like, a really young kid to invest my time and energy into things outside of my sport. Um, and so I think it was something that was built into me from a young age. And this is something that I, I, you know, I wish more kids had because so many, I think so many people do get, so many athletes get mm. stuck, right? And they're like, my sport is everything. And it's all I have. Um, and yeah, for me, I was just really lucky, honestly, like I said, from a young age to really be pouring myself into my school, mm. uh, into my art, into things like that. Um, so it just became a part of who I was and yeah. I love that. And I think, to your point, I always say sports for a lot of young athletes is this beautiful playground for them to discover themselves, to yeah. find that identity and mm -hmm. answer that question of who they are and give them that, that purpose, that sense of belonging, all the things, the confidence that they might not have had outside of that. One thing that I've been really blown away with by you since meeting you a few weeks ago was that your confidence isn't just exclusive to the diving yeah. well yeah. It, it exudes elsewhere how what, what does that process look like all right i'm, I'm selfishly <laughs> wanting to know. i don't know i think it's funny i people people like ask me this and i i, I was homeschooled by the way mm. and people are like oh that my makes God. so much more sense no <laughs> people are like you were homeschooled where do you get these social skills from i'm like rude first of all but um i think honestly sometimes like people are just naturally born with it uh mm. like like as a kid i was literally a seven-year-old kid walking around this pool deck networking like i knew all the college coaches i knew all the olympians that swam on the pool deck like i have always just had that confidence and that ability to just connect with people mm. um and i think it's something that you can also grow into it's something that you can train um and i think a lot of it comes from being able to go outside of your comfort zone a lot of people don't like discomfort a lot of people are afraid of failure or embarrassment mm. um whereas i'm the kind of person who embraces that in my mind i'm like you know i'll never know unless i try i'll never know you know if i can do this dive unless i try it i'll never know if you know this person could be my friend unless i talk to them and that's how I got into grad school. That's how I got into diving. That's how I got into art. That's how I got into all of these uh, incredible experiences that I've had in my life is just being willing to embrace the discomfort um, and face the potential of being rejected. Um, and sometimes I am, but sometimes it, it turns into an incredible uh, relationship or incredible experience. Yeah, do you think that homeschool experience, because I could see that going one of two ways, the traditional way I would say so to speak the way that most people think about homeschool yeah. is yeah you don't have the social skills because duh you don't have people interacting on a daily basis outside of whoever is in your homeschool yeah um, or what I'm hearing in your case was because that you weren't getting that there you then were almost forced and encouraged to get it elsewhere yeah and you made sure you got it yeah. what was the mindset like was it intentional was it just kind of who you are, that you went the ladder there. You actively sought those experiences out instead of just, all right, like, is it the comfort zone thing? Of Like, what's comfortable is I can continue to just be introverted and not talk to anyone, 
head down. I can be the, we- the quote-unquote weird homeschool <laughs> kid. Or I can be extroverted, go network with everyone for as long as you can remember. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think from a young age, it was just something that was ingrained in me. And I think a really big part of it actually stemmed from watching the Olympics as a kid. So I watched um, the Olympics like since I can remember right mm-hmm. and I I was watching Michael Phelps and Ian Crocker and Aaron Pearsall and Brendan Hansen like back in in that era and they were all so incredible and inspiring to me and during that time in my life so when I started training here at UT Brendan Hansen, Ian Crocker, Aaron Pearsall, Neil Walker and a few other Olympic gold medalists were training here right in this facility and they were my heroes right I watched them win gold medals break records and I was like this is incredible and I was like, I want to meet them. I want to meet these people. Um, And so I, you know, was seven years old, eight years old. Um, And I had something in my mind that I wanted it to achieve. Mm. And I just did it. Um, And so I think that it's kind of, you know, I, I had a desire to do something. I did it. Um, and, and that's kind of how I've experienced life, you know, throughout. It's like I had a desire to dive and I did it. Um, and yeah, I think it's part of my personality and then part of just that internal drive to like, yeah. What roadblocks did you face? Cause I think <laughs> it's easy for people to listen to that and be like, all right, well, <laughs> just she just, <laughs> is that the Olympic mindset? She just sets <laughs> her mind to something and then she just goes out and does it like sounds very Nike esque, but I'm I know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> at this point in your life like you've had plenty of roadblocks setbacks moments that you were questioning is this truly what i want to do if you could highlight maybe one or two of those that first come to mind for you what Mm -hmm. what was it like hitting that for the first time and then ultimately powering through them so you know i think like anything in life right there there are always tough moments um and let me tell you, like, there were times in diving where I was terrified out of my mind, mm. where I, I didn't want to do a dive, or I smacked and had bruises up and down my legs, and I didn't want to go back up on the diving board. Um, and I, I, it's hard to highlight one specific moment, but there are multiple moments, you know, as an athlete where you fail. Maybe I was in competition. There would be times when I'd be in competition, and I would literally fail a dive. And the things that kept me going in those moments were the people around me. I think that surrounding yourself with a powerful network of people that inspire you and push you and tell you the truth is one of the most valuable things. Mm. And I think that my parents were that for me. They really, really pushed me to excel in my sport, to excel in school, to be the best person that I could be. And that continued, that that drove me day in and day out. It was my coaches. It was my coaches every day believing in me and inspiring me and pushing me to be better. It was my teammates. Um, It was that healthy competition with my, you know, my classmates or my teammates or my friends. Um, And I will say, I think that human connection above all else is one of the most powerful things, Mm. especially for someone like me who's extroverted. I tend to get more like satisfaction from other people pushing me um, more so than from myself. Um, And so I think like I had an internal drive, but that external drive and those external relationships were a huge part of what got me over the multiple roadblocks that I faced. Yeah, I was about to say it's critical to me. And what I'm hearing is 
an element of your not just the support system that basically just tells you oh yeah Allison you're doing great like keep going keep going but you mentioned a piece there they told you the truth yeah. they they were honest with you at yeah. some points i look at my own career and but i had great coaches throughout all stages but i would say my my favorite one to ever swim for was my first is the same one that made me go off the 10 meter um, <laughs> at training trip one year but this is a guy coop at delaware and he would just always tell you how it is and i almost equated it to who's like a father figure that you could never please at some points yeah um but there was that element of honesty how did you make sure i wouldn't even say make sure but how did you intentionally surround yourself with people that were going to tell you like hey if you had a bad day like you had a bad day. They're not going to like sugarcoat it to you, but do so in a way that still is there to support and comfort you to leave you in a space feeling like, all right, cool. It's like, it's just a moment. It's just a day. It's not a representation of who you are as a human. You can move forward from this. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think I'm really lucky because my, my parents are a lot, my mom specifically is a lot like that. Like she just tells it like it is. And sometimes you're like, Oh God, God mom, God. <laughs> Thought you love me. That hurts. Um, but it was so good because it kept me in line. It kept me humble. Mm. Um, and so she kind of set the groundwork for that. And then kind of in college and now in life, um, I, I like finding people that I can have real and like deep conversations with. And oftentimes, if you can find somebody or multiple people who – are able to get to a deep level of conversation and mm. talk about hard things in life, those people are the same people who will be okay calling you out or who will be okay being honest with you in difficult situations. Um, because, you know, if you can if you can have a deep conversation, that opens the door to building that relationship where people feel comfortable being like, mm. hey, Allison, like, is this really what you want to be doing or is this what you should be doing? Um, and then also having mentors. I think everybody in their life should have some kind of mentor, whether it be a faith mentor, career mentor, um, just a, a, an emotional support mentor. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but I think I was always surrounded by people who were older than me, um, mm. people who had been through things before who could look back and be like, look, Allison, like, you know, I've been through this and this is kind of what I learned and they guided me. So, so two things, find friends that you can have deep conversations, deep relationships with, um, and then find mentors who have been through what you've been through, um, or are where you want to be, um, and, and talk to those people and, and let them pour into you and guide you. Absolutely. I think the easiest way to get to where you want to go is identifying people that have gone there before you. And you'd be surprised by the amount of people that if you reach out to them, they'll take 10, 15 minutes out of their day and they'll, yeah. they'll tell you exactly how it is. Like, yo, I mean, I tell people all the time, it's like, Hey, look, like leaving a full-time job, trying to start something out on your own. It worked for me, but I also have a very high risk tolerance and yeah. like wanted to gamble on myself. It's not for everyone. Like yeah. I'll be as transparent as I possibly can with people. Uh, you recently have gone through the transition yeah. out of, of diving and, into as uh the rest of the world likes to call it the real world the real world right? yeah how I much know. do you hate that phrase it's, i'm like it's weird i'm like you know i've always been in the real world come on guys <laughs> but I, how else do you say it you know i'm like yeah I yeah i was about to say <laughs> but what is what has that transition been like for you i i would imagine you've been very proactive in 
I, again, just from picking up in this conversation and previous conversations with you, proactively reaching out to people in different fields, different um, industries, and just, I hate the word picking their brain, the phrase, Yeah. but I have a feeling that's probably what you do really, really well is you connect with people in a way that doesn't feel like you're just taking all their information, right? But yeah. you truly want to, to connect. I mean, that's how you reached out to me anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I think for me, an, an interesting thing was, first thing that I'll say, first thing that I'll say to any athlete, you know, if you're an athlete and you're in college and you're listening to this, if you're professional athlete and listening to this if you're you know in high school and listening to this um start your your process early um understand that your sport will like probably end someday and you're gonna have to find another way to make money and support yourself because someday you're gonna move out of mom and dad's house and that scholarship will end that college scholarship will end whatever it may be um and so what i did is i started early in terms of networking Mm -hmm. right um and so i built my network and actually how I got my job was or how I got connected to my job was through a network connection I applied and they liked me and hired me Um, but your network is incredibly incredibly powerful so that's the first thing that I'll say think about that think of it think about and invest in it second thing that I'll say is when it comes to reaching out to people and picking their brain um, so what I try to do and I've been doing this a lot lately is I'll have areas of interest um, or areas of passion so the reason that Mm -hmm. I actually reached out to you is because I'm really passionate about this transition phase from being an athlete to being a professional. And I'm, I'm interested in how you know, difficult it is. And I had just gone through it. And so I was like, I want to talk to someone else who's in this space. And so I t- reached out to you as a passion project because I'm, I'm passionate about this. And I want to learn about your journey and why you care about this and what you're doing mm-hmm. and if there's any way I can help. Um, other people that I reach out to are in industries that are, that I have no idea, you know, what that industry is like. So I I was recently talking to an angel investor who's been in finance his whole life. And I'm like, I want to understand what is, what does angel investing look like? How did you get here? Um, because I think that's really, really interesting. Um, and then in other areas, I I work in branding and strategic communication. So I would reach out to people who were strategic communicators and branders. Mm. I, I reached out to a guy on LinkedIn and he's like the VP of like strategic branding at P&G. He had worked in multiple countries across the world, um, including Italy, Russia, and the United States. And I literally messaged him and I was like, hey, I just want to know, how do y'all brand at P&G? And I ended up having two two-hour Zoom calls with this guy where he poured all this knowledge about his career and his experience out on me. And I was able to write notes. And I took so much from that conversation mm-hmm. just because I reached out to him on LinkedIn. Um, and so being able to kind of pinpoint what you want to learn and then having the guts to get out of your comfort zone and reach out to people is huge. And you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to learn. Um, so I highly, highly recommend it. It's super fun, guys. It's it's really like I've never had a bad experience with it. Just be careful. <laughs> but like <laughs> keep it virtual. You keep, know? keep it virtual. You yeah, like, it's fine. If it gets weird, you can get out of the door. <laughs> You can just hit exit zoom. Room. Uh, you know, it's funny because we're, we're over 200 episodes now into the podcast at this point. And yeah. one of the first questions I ever got w- around more like immediate friend group and then people that were acquaintances throughout the years, they were like, dude, like, how are you getting these people onto the show? Like what, yeah. 
Like, are you paying them? Like, what does that look like? And I'm like, no, I just ask. And to your point of like two, two hour Zoom conversations with that guy from P&G, it's like providing people with a platform where they can talk about themselves is like a really powerful thing to do. Yeah. And most people won't say no to yeah. that. <laughs> it's like, tell me all the good things you did in life. They're like, heck yeah. You're Let's like, go. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'll <laughs> pop on that Zoom call. It, <laughs> and it like, it makes you both feel good. It's a win-win. Yeah, and I absolutely. think that's the biggest thing to what I'm hearing in being successful in that for you. It's it's not you're just taking information. You make it a win-win. You truly do ask the same question that I do at the end of every connection call that I have is, okay, great. How can I support you? Like, what yeah. does that look like? Yeah. Which is so interesting because how infrequently do we get asked that question in our own lives, right? Yeah. So it's I'm curious, right now, as you're going through work, life, Navigating things, what can we as listeners of the show or me personally, like, what is it that you currently need support on? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. Um, I think right now in life, um, one, of, one of my biggest passions is, is the opportunity to speak to young athletes mm. and professional athletes and just athletes in general who are trying to go through this transition and literally just, like, talk to them um and so what i would ask you know if any, if any of you guys are listening if you want to hear my story if you if you want to reach out to me i would love to talk to you about how i handled this transition and go a little bit more in depth with it i was actually talking to some girls the other day and they're like can we get coffee like we just weren't struggling mm. you know they're college athletes and they're like we don't know what that we don't know what to do we're we're scared we're looking for jobs like this is scary and i was like yeah please like let's talk about this. And it's not necessarily like something you can do for like what you can do for me is, is, you know, reach out to me. Um, if mm. you're scared or if you're in a place of uncertainty, because what I really want to do is help you, um, and use all of this knowledge that I've learned throughout my time to invest in that next generation and help you be as successful as you can be. And you can help me learn also. We'll have all the, the contact stuff for you yeah. linked in the show notes. <laughs> we'll shut that at the very end here. But no, I, I love that. And I, I love the passion at which you show up with that. If you could distill it into, I don't even know if you could say two to three things that has made the transition what it has been for you. Yeah. And now retrospectively looking back on it, which I'm going to challenge you. It never really stopped. Yeah. <laughs> it is a continued journey. It's but looking back learning. on it from this moment where you are right now in the past year plus, um, what have you learned that you think has been key in just your mental and emotional health, helping you feel like you have a purpose, you you belong, you, you matter, all the fun things? Okay, so to answer your first question, um, a few things to help you through that transition. Start preparing before the transition, okay? You don't want to get to the end of your career and be like, what do I do? Um, like I said earlier, start building that network. Mm. Uh, so that's the first thing, build that network. Second thing, figure out what you care about. Figure out what you're good at. Um, a lot of people I know, they're athletes, and they're like, I've only done my sport my whole life. But I'm like, you're, you know, you post a lot on social media. You're good at that. Um, you're really good at talking to people. You've done clinics your whole life. Figure out what are my strengths and then figure out what career you can really play those strengths to. Um, so first, network. Second, figure out those strengths. Figure out where you can use those strengths in a career. 
Um, and third of all, um, I think really just being able to go out there um, and be fearless and mm -hmm. reach out, apply for those jobs, things like that. Uh, try to get that internship. So that's kind of if you're in that position where you're, you're a little scared, you don't know what to do, just start taking those steps um, and, and things will fall into place if you put the work in. Um, I'm trying to remember the second question you just asked. Um, <laughs> uh, it's all good. It, it was around the same lines. I think you did hit it there of just in your own journey, in your own story. Oh, what I've learned. What's, what yeah. you've learned. Uh, so I think what I've learned is, again, the whole fearless piece of, of being able to put yourself out there. That's a really big thing. Um, in this past year, I have had more fun in my life than I've literally have ever had. Um, and that's mainly because I have allowed myself opportunities to meet really cool people. Mm. Um, I've put myself in positions to, I go to networking events a lot. Um, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing really incredible things. I've met mentors who have done incredible things. Um, so just intentionally, now that I'm not an athlete anymore, um, I, st I have time, right? I have a lot more time on my hands. And instead of using that time to, I don't know, like sit and watch Netflix, I use that time to message people on LinkedIn and, and see if they have something interesting to say. Yeah. Um, go to events and stuff like that. So really just allowing yourself to pour into other people, um, find something you care about, find something you want to learn about, and, and start investing in that. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned that has helped me in this transition and really given me a lot of life in this past year. I love that. It's it's so interesting. One of the things that I've talked with a few different athletic departments about is I talked about it a little bit earlier when I said, like, I noticed the confidence in you exudes out beyond just the diving well. Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed in talking with a lot of different athletic departments is that's, like, not the norm for most athletes. We're very confident in our space and our sport. Yeah. And then you have that networking night that comes around and your coach makes you go to it. And you're you're like, like hiding in the corner. Oh my God, I have to like <laughs> hand up my resume? Like what? <laughs> um, so I, I just thought it was funny that that was your, the points that you brought up which I th are huge. They're definitely, definitely beneficial. Yeah. And I would just add that like, it's important to recognize one where you as an individual listening into this are at like confidence is relative to the individual yeah what is confidence for you might be something that is so far out of reach for the person listening to absolutely. this absolutely yeah. so it's everyone has their own definition to it mm -hmm. taking the time to define what does confidence mean for you and then identifying that first action step for you i'm sure it's like going to a ton of these networking events a lot of extroverted stuff yeah i'm not extroverted i'm more <laughs> introverted it's like for me it's taking maybe one or two maybe one event a week yeah that's good for me um so i just want to add that little caveat to the listener yeah just find what works for you go with that and still yeah. it's it's fantastic advice I w we're running out of time here um but this has been this has been absolutely fun allison i want to end with the fast five which are going to be rapid fire one sentence oh one my word gosh. answers ah, okay this i'm is, ready this is like the post diving interviews <laughs> you're used to right um first question is what is your go-to podcast that you're jamming out to my first million right now mm. uh i don't know if you ever heard of it but it's really funny and these guys are great and they're, they're hilarious fantastic they yeah. just had ryan holiday on a recent episode yeah yeah i, was I listening love to that, that one it's so good uh number two <laughs> what is your favorite book that you've read in the past year oh good to great um i think it's really is a is a business book but the 
things that are brought up in that book can be applied to all aspects of life. Um, really, I don't know, help me figure out who I want to be as a leader and as a person. Mm. So. Beautiful. What's one, number three is what's one thing you can't live without? Oh my gosh, my dog. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to live without her someday. Um, <laughs> that's so sad. Wait. It's <laughs> not meant to be this I'm like. Sorry, guys. Real, um, real moment. I can't. I don't know what I can't live without. There's not much I can't live without. We'll go with dogs. Fantastic dog answer. Fine. I'll just you stick know? with that. Just worry about now. Okay. <laughs> don't get morbid on us. Number four. What is a quote that you live by? Oh my gosh. Um, wait. Let me think about this one for a second. Um. I think one quote that I live by or that I say a lot is, and I think I kind of made it up, um, is like, you're more than your sport. Um, I literally say this so much. Um, mm. It's something that drove me since I was a kid to like, now that I'm done with my sport, um, I say this to athletes, you're more than your sport. It's just my, my little. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Nothing like an original quote there. I don't know if it's original or not, but that's hey, what I say a lot. You, you'll, you can claim it. <laughs> we'll give it to you. Uh, we'll give you credit in and the show notes. My second one is age doesn't define you. Mm. I think you, you live both of those yeah. well, yeah. which is great. Number five, if you, could focus, if you could sum up your focus right now in life into just one word, what is that word? Um, I think right now it's growth. Mm. Um, I think... I never want to stop growing and learning, and especially right now, I, I realize I know nothing. Like, the more you learn, the more you're like, oh, my gosh, I know nothing. Um, and so I'm trying to absorb. I'm a sponge. I'm trying to absorb as mm. much as I can, grow as much as I can. So It's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Never lose sight of that. That's great. Um, <laughs> Allison, again, I just want to acknowledge you. Like, it's been great spending time with you today. I appreciate you taking the time to yeah. – watch me flop and for those listening <laughs> in there will be some great content coming your way as well of the video of me learning how to dive from different positions he did really good i just yes. want to acknowledge you though for <laughs> for taking the time it really does mean a lot to me and it says a lot about you and just the, the heart that you have the way that you show up in this world so i hope you never lose sight of that where can those people listening in connect more with you keep up with what you're doing and reach out yeah so currently i would say um LinkedIn is a really good one. Instagram is a pretty good one. Just like DM me if you want, um, or email. I can I can give you an email that people can reach out to. Um, and yeah, and I'm around Austin. If any of you guys are in Austin and and want to meet up or hang or do something, um, I'm always down to to meet people. Um, and yeah. What's your, What's one thing in Austin that I have to do that you would uh, bet that I haven't done yet? Oh, actually, how long have you been here? Four months, five have months. You, have you done Peter Pan Putt Putt? No, yeah. I have not. Okay. Peter Pan Putt Putt is like this OG Putt Putt place that's been here for like forever. Um, and it is, it's fun. It's fun. You just got to go with some good friends. I went there actually a little bit ago and they have all these like really weird like statue things. And I mm. came up with like bizarre names for each of the statues. And I was just like sitting there cracking up, like dying laughing with my friend, like coming up with stuff so it is what you make it um but it's a lot of fun and it's an austin classic so you gotta go there we go i appreciate yeah. selfishly i appreciate that yeah. recommendation yeah. <laughs> again thank you so much for joining us awesome thank you for having me appreciate you tuning in today remember to share this episode with someone you care about because together we go far and until next week flow on my friends <laughs>